Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. This is Courtney, and I'm really thankful we have the opportunity that we do on today's episode. We're really opening up the conversation on suicide, depression, and grief, and we have the privilege of talking to Kayla Steckline. Kayla talks about her journey through grief and loss after her husband died by suicide in 2018. Altering the course of her life completely, Kayla now stands as a mental health advocate and speaks on suicide awareness. Daniel and Kayla discuss what it looks like to walk alongside someone who's suffering from mental illness and what life looks like now. Suicide, depression, and anxiety are all things that we take seriously at In Doubt. We also realize we don't have all the answers and we instead return to the Bible. By placing your life in the hands of God, our Creator, it doesn't mean your life will be simple, easy, and without heartache or suffering. We know that this life isn't perfect, nor is it permanent, and we must trust God, knowing that our lives do not belong to us. If you or someone you know is considering suicide as a very real option, please go to www.suicidehotline.org and tell someone about the pain you're experiencing. And if you would like to reach in doubt to have us pray for you or a friend, contact us by email at info at So here's the conversation with Daniel and Kayla Steckline. Hey, this is Daniel Markin, and with me today is Kayla Stecklin. Hey, Kayla, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a, a beautiful, non-raining day here up in the Pacific Northwest of Canada. And my understanding is that you live in California. Is that correct? I do, yeah. I'm down here in Southern California, just outside Orange County, so not, not too shabby down here. Well, Kayla, as we begin today, uh, I just want to ask you, who are you? And then how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, so I am a former pastor's wife. I'm still doing ministry now. It just looks a lot different. I'm a single mom. I have three little boys, ages three, five, and almost seven. And I came to know Jesus uh, growing up. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, so I grew up going to church every week, was really involved in youth group. But I would say, like, I claimed my faith and my relationship with God for myself. Um, in junior high, we went to this amazing camp called Hume Lake in Northern California. And I really just had an encounter with God there that just changed my life forever. Mm. Amazing. Could you tell us then your story? Because we've brought you on here. We want to he- hear your story. But also what your life has looked like in the last year. Ultimately, we want to hear from you and hear how God has been working through this. Sure. Yeah, so it's been quite a year, a little over a year now, um, but it's been quite a 10-year run with just our family and our life and what we've been through. I met my husband at Vanguard University in Southern California in 2008, and we fell in love really fast, and we were married in December 2010, and we went on our own little adventure up in Seattle, and only for like six months, and then came back to Southern California, and he started working at his parents' church. He had grown up in the church. His parents started the church when he was three years old. So he loved ministry, was passionate about the local church, and was incredibly gifted communicator. 
So we came back, and he was working at his parents' church, and just a few months later, his dad was diagnosed with very aggressive leukemia. And so we went on this journey with leukemia. It was about four years of relapse and remission and relapse and remission, and there was spinal cord damage, and he was bound to a wheelchair, and it was a really tough, uh, painful time for our family and for our church. And uh, about a couple months before his dad passed away in 2015, Andrew was handed the official Batana leadership and became the lead pastor at 26 years old. And we had this really special service. We wheeled his dad onto the stage in the wheelchair, and he had this little baton in his hand, and he handed Andrew the baton, and it was just this epic moment for our church and our family, and everybody was very supportive of this transition, and it was just a really, really special, special day. And a few months later, his dad did pass away, which was devastating for all of us. Um, But our church, you know, was so supportive of Andrew, and Andrew just led strong through all of that. He hardly took any time off to grieve, only a couple weeks, and came back and did this incredible series on heaven. He was gifted. He was unstoppable. He was running fast. He held our church through a lot, through all the leukemia journey, and then through the passing of his dad. He just stepped up to the plate and was speaking a ton and leading a ton and just doing an incredible job. And then in the fall of 2017, he got sick, and panic attacks came out of nowhere. We had a stalker issue in our family that really just sparked this sense of fear in Andrew, and this sense of fear sparked these panic attacks, and the panic attacks were very debilitating and happening three to four times a week. And uh, he would be curled up in a ball and shaking and trembling and just hit. It's a full body experience. You feel like you're going to die when you're having a panic attack. It's awful. So he was having them three to four times a week. And we were seeing doctors and trying to figure out what was going on inside his body. And at first we thought it was his thyroid. He had struggled with hyperthyroid issues in the past. So we were trying to see if it was his thyroid. And after testing and doctor's appointments, they discovered that it wasn't his thyroid. And his panic attacks, instead of getting better, were continuing to get worse. And they got so bad that he landed in the hospital. And at the hospital, we all just decided, like, enough is enough. This guy's been running hard. He's been running fast. He's been leading strong. And his his body's just done. So we put him on a sabbatical and just thought, man, he needs to rest. Like, he's been doing so much, and he's burnt out, and he just needs to rest. And a few months, or actually just a few weeks, a few weeks into the sabbatical, um, he was diagnosed with depression. And I'll never forget sitting in the psychiatrist's office with him, and the psychiatrist said those words, your husband has depression, and I was just shocked. I was stunned. And Andrew was actually relieved to have a diagnosis because he'd been having these panic attacks, and he didn't know what was going on. So he was relieved to have a plan and a diagnosis and to be able to get help. And I was just stunned and shocked and upset. So we went on this journey with depression, and he wrestled with depression from April until July of 2018. And it was very, very difficult. We're raising these three little boys, and he's sick. And, you know, every day I didn't know what I was going to get. A lot of the days he spent time in the bedroom resting and sleeping and running to God and all of it too. You know, oftentimes I'd go back in the bedroom and he'd have headphones on and he would be blasting worship music and he would be emotional. And it was really intense and a really hard summer. Um, At the end of July, the doctors actually thought that his depression was 
getting better and that too much time away from work would actually make his depression worse. So he returned to work and hit the ground running and gave two powerful messages on mental illness. He was using his own story as the example, and he talked about depression and suicide and gave out the suicide hotline number and was giving out statistics, and he knew all the answers and he had all the facts, but unfortunately headed into the third week. He just had a really awful day in the office. There was a trigger, and the next day, he attempted suicide, and we were all completely shocked and stunned, and especially our family. You know, we had been through so much together, and we thought he was getting better, and here's this strong, invincible man that had led our church and our family through so much. Like, this wasn't supposed to happen to him. So he attempted suicide, was in the hospital on life support, and the doctors basically said there was nothing that they could do. And so the next day on August 25th, 2018, he died and went to be with Jesus. And and I'm still completely shocked and devastated, and I still can't believe it happened. And it's changed my life and the lives of everyone in my family and our friends and my, especially my three little boys, you know, forever. So, yeah. So that is a whirlwind that you have walked through and are still walking through. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say this too, I'm, I'm so deeply sorry. And uh, I was deeply grieved by it. I remember, you know, like your story had reached uh, so many people uh, because this sort of thing had been shared all over Twitter. And I remember seeing the photo of you and your, and your family and it being quite upset by, by it because it's such a the, – the whole side right now, and this is a, 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 such a relevant issue, which is why I'm so thankful that you are sharing your story. But the, the issue with mental illness and how this is affecting us uh, nowadays is – it's amazing how many people this is affecting but even just knowing people who struggle with this daily, uh, it's such a relevant issue. And so with the grief, how, because I've, I've, I've often understood that grief comes in waves and it can be a terrifying thing knowing that that wave is coming even when it's a good time and then the, the grief is, okay, here, here comes another wave of it. How have you been able to, to process that and what has been really anchoring you um, and how has the Lord been your strength during this? Yeah, the waves are unpredictable. Um, yeah, you, you can plan for some of them, you know, like a big holiday or a birthday or those kind of things, the anniversary types of things. Like you can plan for those ones, but oftentimes the grief just comes out of nowhere. It's a smell, it's a picture, it's an image, it's a place that you didn't expect. And really, like, for me, I try to just run to the grief. I try to go straight towards the grief and allow myself to feel it because I know that the only way through is through, and I can't avoid it, and I can't go around it, and I can't go under it, and I can't go over it, and I have to just run to it and go through it and face it. And so that's what I've been doing with my grief. And um, God has just, like I said, been so, so, so kind to us, and And that verse about, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and comforts those who are crushed in spirit. Like, it's just so true. I've never seen the hand of God like I have in my grief. Um, God has been so near and just 
provided in countless ways for our family. And it's these little tiny ways and then these big ways, like, like I'll, I'll give you an example of a little tiny way. Um, when I told my boys, you know, I waited a week to tell my kids about the passing of their dad. Um, I just needed to figure, I just needed to get my head around it and figure out how I was going to tell them. And so they're with my dad for a week and I sat them down and I told them what happened and my little ones were kind of too little and we were prepped that they might just want to play after. So my little ones went outside to play and my older son was just devastated. And so I, I sat with them at the table and we were doing this little coloring book that someone had gifted us. And the coloring book is called When Someone I Love Dies. And we're coloring it. And on the first page, it's talking about the life cycle of a caterpillar. And so there's the egg and there's a caterpillar and there's the cocoon and there's the butterfly. And we're talking about how, you know, life changes and, and grief changes. And, and so we're coloring this and we're talking about Andrew and we're talking about our pain and and then it was time for naps so we were done coloring and I go over to close the curtains and the doors were all closed like that there wasn't windows open and I go to close the curtains and at the top of the curtain there's this little tiny caterpillar and we had just finished coloring this book that had caterpillars and butterflies so it was like this really special moment and I I picked it up and I showed my son Smith who I was coloring with and he said, oh my gosh, mom, it's a miracle from God. Oh, wow. Like I didn't prompt him to say that like he, like he said that. So God's given us these like little tiny miracles that like my five-year-old can understand to like these big, amazing miracles like a home, you know, like I, I did not think I was going to be able, like I'm the single person now and, and the breadwinner and having to provide for my family and I did not think I'd be able to purchase a home but an incredible army of support that we've had and the money that came in through the GoFundMe like God made a way for us to have a home so from like a little tiny caterpillar to a home yeah (laughs) so God's been all over all of it and just all the stories that come in every single day and every single week too from literally people all over the world who have just their lives have been saved their lives have been changed their lives have been restored their marriages has have been restored through just the sharing of our story so god's hand is all over it and i i believe what happened completely broke god's heart but i also believe that god doesn't waste pain yes no and and that's the thing is it's always the cliche that christians can can say that god oh god has a he has a plan for it all but what you're describing is he does mm-hmm. and, and he does have a plan for it and and not that any of that is easy, but it's this amazing thing. I think for you to be able to see that, like here's the trickle effect of this horrific thing and watch how God is using it for the furthering of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's amazing. So as, as you share your story, as you ex- explain ultimately what happened and how God's been moving now, um, what are some of the things that you share about uh, in in your like, or let me put it this way: What are some of the questions that people often ask you uh, from your story? Yeah, a lot of people will message me, and just they're walking alongside somebody that's struggling with suicidal thoughts or with depression, and they just want to know what to do to help them. So that's like the main question that I get. Because yeah, my understanding is, when it comes to suicide, no one's ever in the right mind. And, and that's the, the scary thing about it is it's so shocking. But, and you, you wonder, like, 
okay, how could somebody do that? But then also imagine being in the place where they they actually follow through with that. Is is It brings you to a depth of pain that I, I don't think many people encounter until, like, like you're saying, you're walking with someone through those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your church been supporting you in this time? And because as Christians, we have this family, right? And my understanding is that you've been at this church for a long time now. What are some of the ways that they've just been blessing you and walking with you in this? Yeah, we have an incredible, amazing church and amazing staff, and they have been so supportive through all of it, you know, through the leukemia journey and through the mental health journey. And they were cheering Andrew on when he took a sabbatical, and we were really honest with the church and got in front of the church and told them, your pastor's struggling with panic attacks and anxiety and depression, and he needs to rest. And the church was so supportive. And and when he came back from the sabbatical, you know, the church was packed, people sitting on the floor, like it was a full house, and they stood up and gave him a standing ovation, and they were so happy that he was back. So the church has been incredible through all of everything that we've gone through as a church, like losing two pastors in less than three years, like it's been a really difficult season, you know, in the last 10 years for the church, but they've been wonderful and you know, they're the ones that started the GoFundMe, and they also formed um, a little team. When I, when Andrew passed away, they formed this little team called Kayla's Care Team, and it was a mixture of my friends and some staff members, and they filtered every single gift and every single letter that came, um, and they filtered it, and they made sure that it was okay, you know, <laughs> to, for me to read and that it wasn't nasty and and they would pre-read everything and, and organize everything and then drop it off to me little by little because they didn't want me to feel overwhelmed. Um, so they've been incredibly, incredibly supportive through all of it. And um, the church, the Big C Church at large, you know, our story touched a lot of pastors and a lot of churches because it was a pastor. It was one of them. Um, and so the Big C Church at large has been extremely supportive and that's been a really beautiful piece in all of it, too. Like, I feel support, really, from the Big C Church nationwide and worldwide. Totally. So as, as I'm thinking about this and as I'm, you know, uh, hearing your story, we have a lot of young adults here and anxiety and depression. Like, I just know in my own ministry, like working with young adults, this is something that is such a big uh, thing for us. And it's, it's definitely... Um, it's way more common than a lot of people would know, but also way more hidden than a lot of people um, would also expect. Mm-hmm. And it's there's sort of a thing uh, that we always want to say that, hey, everything's okay, everything's all right, I'm doing fine. Um, has it been, how have you been able to encourage people to say, hey, like I'm not doing okay? Mm-hmm. Like if you were to encourage our young adults in that and if they're struggling with any sort of mental mental health or, or emotional health, how would you encourage them? Yeah, I would say if you're struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts and you have not said a word to anybody or you've tried to tell somebody and they just did not get it, I would say to keep talking about it and keep searching for friends or family members that do get it. And if you still can't find somebody that gets it, then call a counselor and sit with a counselor and and explain it to them, you know, like you, you cannot, you cannot do it alone and you, and you, and you need help and you need to, to reach out for help and to 
make sure that you have people around you that can support you and that can walk alongside you and that truly get it and aren't trying to shrug it off and act like it's not a big deal because it is a big deal and it does matter and your pain is real. And so to make sure that you find people that can sit with you in that pain, that can share in that pain with you and that can walk alongside you in it too. We cannot do life alone. And especially if you're struggling, like you need community. And the sad part is that loneliness, I mean, loneliness is huge. 46% of U.S. adults report feeling lonely. And loneliness is worse for you than obesity. And loneliness is just as bad for you, if not worse for you, than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So I would say the way to break free from that loneliness and isolation is to find community. And I think the church is the best place to find community. I think serving on a team and I think, you know, if you're in, if you're a youth, like if you're in high school or junior high, like going to youth group and finding a small group. And if you're an adult, you know, it's like going to church on Sunday and serving on a team and also finding a small group. And if you don't like the small group you're in, like go find another small group. Like you can date around in small groups until you find the right small group. And and if it's not, you know, at the church, then maybe it's like go to go to the gym or join a join a fitness class or join a mom's group. Like there's so many ways that we can find community and there's probably more people around you that want to love you and want to be your friend than you can even see or know. Totally. Yeah, because we oftentimes you can be like, oh man, I don't want to offend anyone by, you know, leaving that community group or leaving that like, oh, why aren't you serving with us anymore? But sometimes it's a matter of, I think, finding what's the best fit for you, right? And then even like just culturally, like maybe you're someone's in a community group and they're like, hey, I don't. Because on the one hand, you want to obviously fight for community. Community is not easy. Right. But I think I, I agree with what you're saying that like making sure you find a community that that you get along with, right? That like you're not just pouring out, but you're also being filled up. Mm-hmm. So Kayla, let me ask you this then. Um, as you approach the scriptures and as you've been reading it and spending time with the Lord, what have been some scriptures that have just really spoken to you? That's a really great question. Um, I have been sitting in this little devotional, and I, I couldn't, there's not like specific scriptures, but there's this little devotional that I've been sitting in. It's called Streams in the Desert. And it's just spoken so deeply to my heart through all of it. And it's just like this um, beautiful, beautiful little devotional. They're little like, you know, one page devotionals for each day and it has poetry in it and it has a verse for each day. And it's just, if you're sitting in a place of pain, it's a really, really um, beautiful, beautiful little um, journal, little devotional. So it's been more of that. It's been more of just sitting with God. It hasn't been like specific verses for me. It's just been more like just sitting with God. And and I um, like to have this quiet time in the morning. So on a good day, I get up at 4.30 and I sit by myself and journal and read my devotional and crack open my Bible. And I'm a prayer journaler, so I'll sit and I'll journal for a few pages in my journal, and that's just my time with God. And I would say I get more out of just sitting with God than I do um, reading the scriptures, if that makes sense. Totally. Well, I think also, yeah, you want to, we could fall into the trap of like, oh, I have to read all this, like read, 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 read in order to be close to God. But I think what you're doing is resting in Him. 
Exactly, yeah. Is, is something that we are to do and, and contemplating. And it doesn't have to be hard. It can be a one page in a little devotional and it can just be sitting with God. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be hard. Yeah, and, and meditating on that thing, which is something that we don't typically do nowadays uh, in, in meditating. So as you have been, again, walking through this, has been it's been a year. What do you anticipate the next five, ten years looking like? Yeah, what I've learned through all of this is I can't predict the future. You know, I would have never imagined that this would have happened to my family. I would have never imagined. I thought we were going to be doing ministry at the church for the next 20 years and leading the church and growing in our leadership and just being a part of the local church. And now that's different. So, um, you know, I I see my boys. I see me pouring into them and leading them and loving on them and just being a very present mom. I see continuing to do ministry. Um, I see just continuing to share on different platforms and writing and speaking. And I think God will continue to use me in that way as well. And I think it'll be more than just the story. I see God um, just pouring out a lot in me and through me in the next five to 10 years, because that's what he does. You know, when we run to him and we sit with him, like, and we are open to being his vessel and his mouthpiece, like, he's going to want to use us in whatever capacity that we're leading in, whether we're a teacher, we work at the grocery store, or, you know, like, that light that seeps in when we sit with him in the morning is going to pour out onto others throughout the day. So I just see him continuing to pour out his light through me and my boys. And I just see us hopefully creating this happy, beautiful life. You know, I call, I call what we're doing right now, rebuilding beautiful. And that's what I feel like I'm doing. Like I had this amazing, beautiful life that just got stripped away. So I'm rebuilding from the ground up. And so I see us continuing to rebuild that beautiful life with God. Yeah. Well, and as you do that, you're inserting beauty into other other people's lives, which mm-hmm. is, uh, that's an amazing thing. And uh, so let me ask you this then, as we're just kind of coming towards the end here of our time, what is one final word of, of something that, that you would share? I would say if you're struggling, reach out for help. I would say if you're walking through a painful season, like keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep leaning into God. And if you don't feel God, then still keep leaning into God. And I would say if you're sitting in a place of loneliness and isolation, then do everything that you can to break free and find friends and I would say, like, don't give up and keep going and that the best is yet to come and just hang on, you know, through all of it. Mm-hmm. I, the thing I think about, too, is, man, Jesus is the one we need and the one we have to chase after and just holding so tight onto him. Amen. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your story. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here with you today. I'm really glad that we had the chance to talk with Kayla, and I'm really grateful that she's willing to share her story. Kayla mentioned that she does speaking events and writes about her journey online. To find out more, you can go to godsgotthis.com or follow Kayla on social media. Obviously, we didn't answer all questions about suicide and depression and grief, but if you have something that you're wrestling with, don't hesitate to ask us on social media 
or by email or talk to somebody that you know and trust. I hope you join us again for next week's episode as we're talking to author Drew Dick and Joshua and him will be discussing what self-control looks like in today's culture. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 